studying some e- elementary mathematics. Welcome to Hand of the Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 369 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by Julian Cotino. Hi. Andres Bruckner. Hello, welcome. And English Dan. Do I not get a surname? No. Ah, hello. No, we established that very early in the history of this podcast, Dan. I'm surprised that you weren't already aware of it. Ah, you know, just to check. Um, right, let's go through the... the uh, joke at the beginning by the way was because I've just worked out how much to pay Andres and Dan for December and January and it turned out to be a bit more than I actually have on me available so um, thank you both of you for accepting only December and Sorry. thank you very much to our Patreon supporters who support the podcast financially and get some extra rewards including loads of extra content um, each week uh, if you want to become one of them, then you can go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash handofpod, and you can sign up there. And you also might like to know that we are supported by Fanatis, allowing those of you outside Argentina to watch the Superliga, the Copa Superliga, which is going to be starting in about six or seven weeks' time, I think, um, and lots of other football uh, for a small monthly charge. You can check it out and get a seven-day free trial plus 20% off your first three months, I think, at fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code HOPFZ. Now, onwards. The Superliga is back for 2020. Uh, it restarted in earnest last Friday evening. There were no games on Monday um, when we recorded on Monday. Uh, last week, sorry. When we recorded last week, I wasn't sure why there were no games on Monday, and then it occurred to me it's because originally there was supposed to be a midweek round of games happening right now. Um, so they left Monday free, and then they cancelled the midweek round of games. Um, so that's why that was. So here we go. The results from the weekend just gone in the Superliga were Aldo Civi 2, Lanús 0, Gimnasia 0, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Union 1, Argentinos Juniors 0. Rosario Central 2, Huracan 1. Those were all on Friday night. On Saturday, Arsenal and Newell's Old Boys drew 1-1 in in Rosario, no, in Sarandí. Central Córdoba beat Colón 1-0. San Lorenzo and Estudiantes drew 1-1. And Godoy Cruz lost 1-0 at home, as expected, to River Plate. Um, And then on Sunday, Defensa y Justicia... For some reason, my live score app here is showing me that it's 50 minutes into the second half and Defensa Justicia are leading 2-0. But in fact, I have just remembered, as I was going down this, that that match did end not 2-0, but 4-1 to Defensa y Justicia. Um, and Banfield and Patronato, which was played at the same time, ended 3-3. Um, so... Yeah, Nine goals at the same time, we will say. Indeed, yeah. If by any chance you just... Well, more than that, no. 3-3 plus 4-1 is uh, 11 goals at the same time. Much. Sorry, yeah. Uh, uh, the goals of the, the weekend. What do you yeah. say about the maths? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, if, if you uh, happened to be just going out for a walk and enjoying what was a rather lovely afternoon on a Sunday before coming back for the two, in inverted commas, big games of the uh, evening, uh, then more for you. And indeed, me, because mm-hmm. that's what happened to me. Um, and then Racing 1, Atletico Tucumán 1 in Avellaneda. And Boca Juniors nil, Independiente nil. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I thought that one had ended. What, it was one red card. Yes. I, I was completely certain that it was nil nil until I started reading it out, and then I thought, "Hang on, is this accurate?" Um, You're thinking of red cards, so. but it did finish nil yeah. nil, and it did finish one one in terms of red cards, as we will say in a minute. In the Bombonera, the main fallout um, in terms of the league table from all of these results, uh, the main fallout. <laughs> are that Boca Juniors go joint second or second on goal difference just ahead of Argentinos, both on 30 points. And of course, Argentinos' defeat combined with River winning away to Godoy Cruz means that River are now three points clear with, is it five games to go? Six. Six yes. games to go. Basically, it seems that no one except yeah. River really wants to win this championship because Argentinos lost, Vélez drew against relegation candidates. Yes, uh, Argentina's lost against a team which, as Tony told us last week, had lost pretty much their entire first team. Yeah, um, which wasn't um, wasn't ideal. Arsenal somehow were there at the top and blew their chance after leading, I believe, uh, against Newell's. Yes, Maxi Rodriguez yeah. equalised for Newell's with a penalty. Um, I think just before yeah, half, Lanus, yeah, just before also, half time. Yeah, Lanus, Lanus could have won and getting the the batch of yes. leaders and. Lost yeah, away. looking yeah. at the top, what did San Lorenzo do again? Let me just remind yeah. myself. San Lorenzo drew with Estudiantes, yeah. and Newell's drew with Arsenal. So in the top ten, the only two teams to manage to win were River and Rosario Central. The top the twelve, indeed, is already because Atlético Tucumán and Estudiantes also drew. Yes, yeah, they did. Tacheres got beaten four-one by. Defensive Justicia. Yeah. Now they are the same position. So yeah, they're, they're now both on twenty-four points. So Tashera is still just ahead on goal difference, which seems a bit weird, but it's true. Defensive Justicia's goal difference is plus. Oh no, hang on, because this is still showing this game is ongoing. So in fact, Defensive Justicia <laughs> will have leapfrogged Tashera. Yes. yes, on goal difference, um, and therefore, yeah, the top twelve with a new coach. The now managed by Hernan Crespo. Yes. Their coach. yes, was he was he in charge at the no. weekend? Because I missed the match. No, he was in the stands. No, he was, he was in the stands sort of watching, watching the stands, right? Uh, yeah. um, but he will be taking charge of defensive with DCS next match. Um, we will begin, I think. Oh, since Julian's here, do you want me to get you another? I've got the beer out of the fridge for you. Um, since Julian's here, let's begin at the Bombonera, where Boca were held by Independiente. You're saying in, he needs another beer to. It's a bright he, was, he was kind of peering at the bottom of his glass <laughs> and he couldn't quite work out how it had become empty so quickly. Yeah, um, no so I'll go and get the beer out of the fridge while he begins to tell us about Bocca's first home game in 2020. First home game without the big glass panels along the side of the pitch. Yeah. Was it glass or plexiglass or something? Uh, glass, I think. No, plexiglass. plexiglass. Uh, first game no, with Russo there. Uh, first Riquelme, game for Russo. Yeah. First game for uh, Riquelme's Eras, uh, I say, football director. Mm-hmm. That's not his title, but... Let's keep doing that. Um, two games in one. First 15 minutes, something encouraging. Not much, but a change in attitude towards what was Alfaro's reign. But it just lasted 20 minutes because Boca went a man down uh, for Izquierdos being sent off. 
correctly sent off. I can't remember the incident. I was watching the game, but the first card was uh, the, the, the first card was really a, a yellow card. He went after Paulo Perez mm. and clipped him. And the uh, second one was an orange card. The sec- uh, second one was a through ball for uh, I think Silvio Romero, and he kind of tripped him. Mm. I think in and. You could, you could say that that wasn't for Romero to, to fall because Romero is big and... Yeah. Oh, I think you have another one. But I think you have they, another red card. No, no, they, they tripped. They tripped. Yes. They just tripped, but Romero was through on goal probably and mm. he if he actually tripped him, which uh, the image, it's not it's not really clear, but you have to... The benefit of the doubt goes to the ref. Uh, Romero would have never dived there and actually Skirdos also fell, but it was... They just tripped. And after that, Boca just sat back. They took out uh, Wando, the, the kid who played on the left, and uh, for Junior Alonso to form the back four again, and then just sat back and played for a result. Until Pablo Perez. Uh, Pablo Perez did a Pablo Perez. Um. Actually, no. Pablo, a Pablo Perez would have been a yellow card and no no red card. That's, that's not a Pablo Perez. That's for you. Yeah, but he, he'd already been booked by that point, hadn't he? Had no, I think so. I, I thought yes, he was on yellow so. already. And I then, don't know. I mean, it was a straight red. Yeah, the, yes. the red card was a straight red, but I, it, although it doesn't actually have it here, so now I'm starting to doubt I myself. Really I, don't just, know. I was convinced he was booked um, in the first half. Um, but yeah, he incidentally, we failed to mention last week, but Pablo Perez was the first player booked in the Super League in 2020 because yeah. he picked up a yellow card about 12 minutes into Independiente Riva uh, the previous well, That's a Pablo Perez getting booked <laughs> early <laughs> getting booked early and playing the map full match yeah. Without, yeah. without being sent off I, I was kind of struck by although you say Boca were playing for a result until he was sent off I mean he was sent off with 15 minutes right, to go after thought, he was sent off after half time um, that, that Boca really were, were much better and, until the break because Izquierdos got sent off halfway through the first half yeah. um, and until the break I thought Boca were really hanging on I mean Independiente should have gone in ahead at the break in the second half Boca were the better team even, yeah they were even with 10 men and then after the red card it was like both teams were like yeah they after, after the <laughs> it's getting a bit bad, after, bad tempered now let's just calm down on the second half they, they came out with a new plan actually Zarate started playing on the left properly he had just been covering for Obando who was taken off for Junior also but uh, yeah they seemed much better and they actually had a couple of chances even before Pablo Pérez was sent off but then they just both teams sell for a draw. What did you make of Carlos Tevez? Because he captained the team. Yeah. Um, when I saw that he had been given the armband, I thought, is Miguel Angel Russo trying to recreate the spirit of 2008 or 2007 or whatever it was he was last there? After weeks um, of not knowing whether he will stay or, or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of this stuff saying he was supposedly going to go to Man United, which was obviously ridiculous to the point where we didn't <laughs> mention it on last week's podcast. Um, but yeah, like, and and he should be. And the last few years, really, but if he's on the pitch, he should. Hmm. Who's he's more representative for the team than than him? That's true, but he's not exactly the best player that Boca have anymore, is he? No, probably not. Should he but be in the starting eleven? Yeah, I think she should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, either, either Abila or over over these guys. Me or Abila? Yeah. I think he should be should partner with uh, Sarate up front. That's I, I, it's okay. a partnership that I think could work. Sarate is a, is a player who doesn't pass really, mm-hmm. so he's if he's That's playing true. behind the number nine, he won't pass to him. So playing as the number nine is what he, you're saying. He's a number <laughs> nine. He finishes plays. He sure, just yeah. gets the ball and shoots. Gets the ball and shoots. That's the proper definition of number nine. The thing is, 
you're not going to get him the ball in areas where shooting is uh, the proper action, then, well, that's not his problem. He's, he's a shooter. He's a finisher. He was top scorer of the Argentina League playing for Vélez yeah. up front with Luca Prato, who was actually the man who sat deep and right. made, made play. He's an proper number nine. Then he's been played on the wing uh, in Europe mostly. He's been played on the wing since he returned to Bonn to Argentina pretty much except for with Haynes but he clashed with him so he didn't actually play that much yeah. in Boca he didn't play as a number nine or as a that happens a lot with Argentinian players that go abroad that they don't play in their position where they were playing here mm. even when they are strikers perhaps uh, the thing with Zarate is, and with Tevez is which what position are they are they, they are probably number nines but they are number nines in a certain type of system they're Dybala has the same problem. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Half fish nine. Uh, and you can't pl really play them as a, a, a classic enganche because they, they're not creators. They're not those players. No. They, don't, they don't organize the game. My and take on the whole Tevis thing is that if Boca had succeeded in bringing in any other kind of top class striker, we all know the names that were mentioned, Paulo Guerrero or whoever was bandied about. I reckon he probably would have left, but since no one else came in, uh, I reckon getting rid of Tevez, is, who is rightly a club idol and legend, getting rid of Tevez without anyone coming in and ending up just with Abila and Zarate as Irani strikers would have been... I don't think he would have left. A, a curious move. Hmm. You don't think he would have left if no. uh, Guerrero, if someone no, uh, no, top I don't line came in? Left? Leave? No, 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 not leave. Yeah. He might have stayed and put up faces. Well, as yeah. Many should. Uh, but I, I don't see that, that as a really bad thing. If you're not playing, you're, you're not happy. If I'm no, not a player sure. who's happy not playing, this is true. that's the, the big problem with many clubs. They're just there to collect the, the paychecks. Yeah. And how many Boca players are there then? Ah, well, I'm not playing. <laughs> you don't give a damn. I'm wondering more generally, because we didn't talk in great depth about it last week, but obviously we've mentioned already that this was Miguel Angel Rosso's first match back in charge of Boca after however many years it was away from the club. So around the club, Julian, what's the sort of expectation for how his Boca are going to differ uh, from the last bloke whose name I've already forgotten? Alfaro. Thank you. It's Alfaro. difficult to no, start with because, because he's got at, essentially the same squad. Exactly, yeah. I mean, looking at, looking at the starting lineup, uh, for instance, against Independiente, Diaz in goal, Buffarini, Lopez, Izquierdos, Fabra across the back, Salvio Campuzano, Orlando Fernandez. Uh, well, actually, Orlando played left but... and Fernandez played yeah. kind of uh, in front of Campuzano, yeah. who was a. It's like a 4 3 one, 2. Um, I, I don't understand why Campuzano got the starting place. No, sure, but I mean. He but has actually never played the world for Boca, so. <laughs> but, well, because My general it, point is that that looks like a squad in the starting 11 that Alfaro could have named, but the style you would expect. Yeah, this, this style was so kind how of is it going to like in, in, in the medium to long term how, well, how do you think the, the inclusion of Fabra means a change in style mm -hmm. uh, just be, because of him playing yeah. uh, from Emmanuel Mas who's just a, a defensive left back Fabra either you play him and let him go forward or you don't play him at all and for the first 15 minutes until Boca got down to 10 men yeah. uh, both Fabra and Buffarini were pushing forward constantly mm. uh, not the great result because they weren't really playing well, but the intention of the, the team tried to actually attack more than what they did but under Rafael. I think that when Nameal and Riquelme and uh, Pergolini started their uh, 
in the, in the club they said that Marconi wasn't uh, the ideal number five and, and perhaps that's why Campuzano is ahead of, of Marconi I I, I, th I I don't know why but uh, uh, I think Marconi is not the ideal number five that mostly we can agree but certainly Campuzano is not better than Marconi so um, I, it it may be a, a case of Marconi was and was seen and truly was an uh, Alfaro player through and through Alfaro yeah. brought him and he played him uh, come hello high water he always played him yeah, even know. over the road the road he won most, most people were asking for him to play yeah. I, th I think I'd agree that, that Campuzano's not better as such there's a bit of a difference in, how, in, in terms of how they move the ball and in that respect I guess similar to the difference between Fabra and Mass Campuzano's a slightly more positive player it's perhaps not as, as pronounced as so it is more, more mobile. Mass, I, I, but, yeah. I'm talking more mobile than, yes. than Marconi yeah yeah he's younger yeah. Uh, he's, he's got better legs on him um, but yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see how it develops Independiente uh, it was their second game of the year because of course they played River the week before it's not a particularly kind fixture list to begin <laughs> 2020 with is it River at home followed by Boca away um, and it was kind of as I said in the first half I thought they looked impressive thereafter they fell, fell off a bit and then it was completely overshadowed by Pablo Perez's moment of Pablo Perezness. Now they're talking um, about him getting kicked out of the club, like they're not very they happy at all. Yeah, which is a bit weird because I mean, what do you expect? You know who he is. Like <laughs> so just, you've, you've known all along that he has the capacity to do this, and now that it's what the incredible thing about Pablo Perez is that one of the best players in, in in the squad, but at the same time he does these things, and now they are trying to see if they can. Uh, uh, Put him in Europe, but uh, mm. if you do that, do that now, uh, you have to give him away. Uh, if you perhaps uh, wait for I, I know June, and he plays decently four or five games, you could uh, in that case sell him. But now you it's like gift uh, because in, in Spain they will they will watch the video of his send off, and I, I don't think he will they will welcome 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 him again. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he goes. I mean, where could he go, realistically? He's not going to Europe. No. Even Newell's. He was uh, Newell's is, yeah, sorry, thank you, Austria. Yeah. So Newell's are the team. The issue with Paulo Perez is his, uh, his salary. Independiente mm. are trying to get mm. rid of him. Because Independiente have a big the squad excuses, full of they, they were, very the similar players. Excuses are his, his being sent off, but uh, just they, they really can't, they can't pay him. I mean, they were trying to pay him pretty much what he was getting at Boca, right? Yeah, they are. Because of the fact, the circumstances of, of how he left Boca. They are pretty much paying him what he was pay, being paid at Boca. But the thing is, they can't. They are no. Probably they always couldn't yeah. pay him that much. And, and Newell's old boys can't play Newell's, can't pay Newell's old boys. Wages. Yeah, but I, I think he would give up. <laughs> the big fight, he would so. give up much of his money if he really wanted to go mm. to Newell's. The yeah. thing is, his representatives have already said that it's impossible because of the... Mm. Uh, the the thing that really marked Independiente's game, apart from Pablo Perez's red card, though, was the fact that they remain staggeringly wasteful with opportunities. Uh, this is a theme we're going to come back to regarding another team in the Superliga. Really? Uh, yes, ah. uh, because I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about it. Um, but Sergio Romero and Leandro Fernandez ought to be Silvio. really Silvio Romero. Thank you. And yes, Sergio Romero up front for Independiente would be a turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Probably um, a bit more precise. In more ways than one. Um, Silvio Romero and Leandro Fernandez ought to be, on the face of it, a really good strike partnership. And yet, they 
appear constantly in competition with one another to see who can come up with a more embarrassing miss. Um, any further thoughts on that? Anybody want to disagree? Or? Yeah, they were a bit unlucky with at least one, which was the, the header by Franco, which hit the post. Yeah. Uh, yes. It was a set piece, and they planned it well, and they executed it well, and the header just hit the post. Some shots also with the free kick from Fernandez, I think, Leonardo Fernandez, some... Mm. Some other shoot by, I, I think, yeah, was Marcos Romero. Diaz was, yes. had a good game. But yeah, aside from Romero, they're, they're, no one's really scored for them. Who's no, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's and they have been brilliant in defence either. No, yeah, but Romero has 10 goals and they don't have much mm, more than that. Let me see whether I can get the top scorers up anyway. Uh, yes, Borrell and Romero are, are top with 10, 10 goals. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Good. Um, the other team, who I think have been rather wasteful, and it sounds a little bit daft to say it, but uh, the reason I, I say it be in my bonnet, I'm not that bothered, but it, it, it struck me. There was something that, that the commentators said during Godoy Cruz versus Ribe, which was that River, apparently, are eighth in the table of effectiveness at converting chances or attacks into goals, which... When you bear in mind that River are the top scorers in the Superliga by four goals, which works out at quarter of a goal, and well, a goal every four games, basically, over yeah. the course of the season so far, that's pretty scary. They're outscoring everybody comfortably, and yet they're still only eighth in terms of actually tucking their chances away. And it's because they got it, Borre, basically. Borre is brilliant at getting in position to uh, score goals, and he's not so good at actually scoring goals. It's not as if it's only him missing, though. Um, no, but he is the one who misses three, three one-on-ones every single game I've ever watched. That's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it was um, sort of underlined again, away to Godoy Cruz, which was a game that we predicted that River were going to win. It was entirely predictable because River have got the best away record in the league. Godoy Cruz are terrible, home or away. Um, and River always win when they play in Mendoza, whether they're playing Godoy Cruz or anybody else. Um, it was 14 games, was, I think. In a row, yeah. they won there. Yeah, yeah. Or, they, or, they don't like that. or 13 and a draw yes. or something like that. But yeah. Um, so it was kind of underlined in that particular game because they really should have been home and dry well before Godoy Cruz started making the game a bit interesting in the last 15? 10 or 15 minutes yes. plus stoppage time or whatever. Um, were you getting nervous at the end, Andres? Given that it was only one well, moment that... It was clear that if they didn't uh, shut down or close the game, like we say here, uh, Serral Partido would, mm. would be to score any, another goal at least. Uh, any goal in the any ball in the box could be complicated. In fact, there was a, a, a shot on goal that uh, uh, there was a, like a, I think bones in the in the middle and and the of the yes the the the, the, the pitch wasn't. Uh, Great and, and a bones in the middle made the um, Armani be complicated to to save that that shot. Uh, so things like that could could have happened. And, and yes, a, a single goal makes you be there, like to be like uh, to be to be careful. And uh, uh, yes, they deserve a, perhaps a, a win, a much comfortable win. Uh, I think they had ten or more. Uh, opportunities uh, uh, several of them missed by like you have been saying by Borre uh, but yes in the end it could happen anything uh, and the draw was a possibility clearly yeah there's a, it, some jeopardy starts coming into it in, in those yes. late stages um, 
Godoy Cruz, well, I mean, fine. The Godoy Cruz hold on to Garcia in the end, El Morro, or is he yeah. on yes. the Because he was linked with Argentinos, right? Yeah, no. but he was suspended, that's why he... Yeah. Ah, he, he wasn't playing, otherwise. he was watching from the stands, but yes. um, they would have been still a Godoy Cruz player. player. Yeah, At yeah. the moment, because how long does the transfer window go? Until Saturday. Same as... Oh, just until this Saturday? Yeah, oh, well. same yeah, as And then Europe. they get the extra week to register people. Where they, I would assume so, yes. They just stick them on a the, piece of paper. The weird inscriptions the where they put a list with Ronaldo and Messi. It was supposed to go until... Ah, yeah, but they... Uh, no, it was supposed to go up until the end of next round, which would have been next Monday. Right. And that way they would have played three games uh-huh. before the transfers were yeah. closed. So, yeah. Which was basically nonsense because you could have <laughs> bought a player with four rounds left. Yeah. Or sold, sell a player. Or for the Copa Superliga. Are they going to have another little miniature domestic transfer window for that few days in between the Superliga and the Superliga starting? <laughs> we will see. Um, we should then t- move on to Rosario Central, who, as I said, were the only other team in the top 12 to actually win their match. Uh, I have to admit that I didn't catch Rosario Central versus Oricam. No. Welcome to the... Uh, they were losing pretty yeah. much... A big one for the relegation game. race as well, right? Because they're not far away. Yeah, yeah, we will talk about the relegation standings in a minute, but this is also sort of influential in that, yeah. Um, in the last five minutes, they were, they were losing the whole match and it was slipping away from them and then they just closed back to... Yeah, Nor- Norberto Briasco had given Huracan the lead about an hour in and then there was an own goal from Huracan's goalkeeper, Anthony Silva, uh, followed by a very, very late winner indeed, almost the last kick of the game by the look of it, from Fabian Rinaldo, who does not score very many goals. No. But so that's interesting. But the goals he scores are that way. Are yeah, they always seem to be. Distance yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, it was a decent. Yeah, and he scores screamers, as mm. they used to say back in the. Yeah, there was one against was it San Lorenzo or somebody earlier in the season. I remember going in almost off the post from very like twenty five yards out or something. Beautiful. So Central, interesting. He managed to win a game two one in spite of only having one shot on target. Thanks mm. to that Siba own goal. Um, and yeah, not much more that we can say about that. Now, please, one of you, tell me that you saw at least one of Banfield versus Patronato or Defensive Justicia versus Tacheres. I watched Banfield versus Patronato. Good. Was it as good as the scoreline leads me to believe? It finished 3-3. Mm, no, not, not that much. <laughs> but it was uh, the second so, half, yeah. The second half had many, many much more. I think I watched the first half of that. It was about one or four. Nah, it's in guy anymore. Oh, well. Or no, yeah. One half was, was one uh, nil predictable game and then... Uh, Banfield took the game to 2-1 they drew they got back up and uh, they considered a penalty with the game in hand they just had had won and it was a stupid penalty but the, by their left back who got in the game because uh, that was yeah in the yes uh, the, their actual left back is in the under 23 tournament so he's very good mm. very good very, a good player and the Kid who got to play, and he got to play because someone got injured, and some he so he came in. Sebastian Dubarbier was the starting left yeah. back who got injured and was subbed out for. It says here Franco Quinteros. Yeah. Sebastian Dubarbier is a fantastic name. It's a French detective's name. Yes, yes. definitely do a film he noir kind of thing with with that name. Dubarbier played for both La Plata clubs at uh, some point. Rings a bell somewhere along yeah. the lines. Um, Just imagine how a, a midfielder converted to left back because they didn't have Bravo, who was with the uh, with Argentina under 23s 
And she so is. I'm just checking his age. Oh, he's 33. Yeah. So he's not yes. quite as old as I... That's why they wanted to postpone the, the Superliga restart. Yes. Played for Gimnasia, then went to a couple of clubs whose badges I don't recognise. One of them looks like... Is that CSKA? Looks ah, like it's got some Cyrillic writing on it anyway. Um, had a stint in uh, Estudiantes. Had a long spell Spain. at Almeria, and then he came back to Estudiantes. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, brave or stupid enough to play for both La Plata sides. I think he was actually, uh, he played rugby and uh, he has an interesting story. Oh, we've got the names of clubs here. I've just scrolled down a bit. So Cluj in Romania. uh, Romania. Lorient in France. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Sorry, French listeners. Tenerife. And then Lorient again. And then Cordoba in Spain. Um, And then Lorient again. Oh, they just loaned him out to a bunch of clubs. And then on free transfer to Cordoba. And then Almeria uh, for four years. 2013 to, well, three and a half years until January 2017. And then a free transfer to Deportivo La Coruña before well, joining Banfield six months ago. He was their left back because Bravo is out with uh, the Argentinian under 23. Mm. So he got hurt and this small kid, uh, Quinteros, had to be put in the game. And with the game basically done and Banfield taking the 3-2 win, uh, he committed us stupid handball yeah now one thing that some of our listeners are going to be wondering about if we're talking about Banfield then we need to do a Daniel Osvaldo watch Mm -hmm. I am not going to call him by his nickname because he wants us to and I'm not going to do that (laughs) I know Um, we call Kobe Bryant by his nickname and he basically (laughs) invented it Um, the Daniel Osvaldo watch for this week however is incredibly easy to do he did not play he wasn't involved in the match score he was in the stands he tore a muscle uh, in training in the stands oh okay (laughs) Prior to uh, Sunday. Yeah, he was already ruled out. He's going to be out for a few weeks. I see. It, it, it big hits. <laughs> there, there's a bit of me that thinks it would be darkly amusing if he just keeps getting injured just before coming on. Banfield are about to secure the one of the biggest transfers in the, in the win, whole window, which is Nacho Piatti, which was... Oh, oh really? So, yeah, by I thought he was going back to a Estudiante. San Lorenzo and San Lorenzo, yeah. Boca at one point uh, some years ago wanted him, even River, and now he's wow. actually coming back to Banfield. I've been busy, Banfield. That would be a very interesting... I mean, they could rotate him with, with Datolo and Bertolo. He's not as old as either of those two, is he? Mm, Quite. He's got to be, what, 27, 28, something but like he's, that. Yeah, he has a history of played for Independiente who might use him mm. um, but he's apparently coming back to Banfield well that would be a fine signing for. am I thinking of who's the Piatti who came up through a studio Pablo Piatti Pablo Piatti uh, that's who I was uh, thinking left, of left footed players yeah uh, yes went on to play in Spain yeah scored a couple okay. of really important goals in that amazing title run in when Estudiantes yeah. was in nine behind Boca with three to play for and they ended up forcing a title playoff and winning it six with like uh, three six with yeah um so yeah, that was so that was the three three. Defensive was DCA versus Tacheres. Did anybody catch that? No. No, super, right. It finished four one to defensive was DCA. Uh, I didn't catch it either, as you will very quickly work out when I tell you the bare facts. Marcelo Benitez put them one nil up, Nicolas Tripiccio put them two nil up, Guido Mainero put them three nil up, Leonardo Godoy put it, it made it three one, and then Juan Martin Lucero put the game beyond doubt, as if it weren't already. With eight minutes to go, but I'll make it 4-1. There we go. Uh, well done, defensive Udicia. They leapfrogged, as we mentioned, Tacheres into 13th place on goal difference by winning that game. Do you um, want to do a seamless segue into um, the new club of Defensive Udicia's former coach? Yes, let's. Mm-hmm. 
if I can remember who that new club are. I know that it's already been mentioned once. Can't mess up. No, hang on. Why would I? Why no, no, would no, I bring this up? I was thinking of Van uh, Crystal. No, that's their new coach. Yes, indeed. Yes. So sorry, uh, Dan is of course talking about Sebastian Bacassese. You kind of ruined the seamless part of that, but we'll. We'll persevere. I, I, I don't think that they will have noticed. I think we can just um, carry on. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, the join, you, you can't hear it. Um, <laughs> Racing versus Atletico Tucumán mm. had the potential to be one of the better matches of the weekend. Mm. And as a neutral, mm. I didn't think that it quite lived up to that feeling. No, it had its moments, but... Especially, I think, the last 20 minutes where everything just seemed to fall to pieces. Uh, there was kind of no distinguishable uh, playing style from either team. And mm. it just all became quite chaotic. Uh, but, yeah, on, on balance, I don't think you can really complain about the one or draw. Um, both goals rather fortuitous, I thought. Uh, Racing scored yeah. in the first half through Mauricio Martinez, who kind of... Toe pike time, a loose ball at a corner. And then Atletico Tucumán, it was after half time, right? There you go. It yeah. was, yes, about yes. an hour. And it came via Javier Toledo. Javier Toledo, who converted a rebound. A with clinical counter attack, though. It was um, a. I can't remember who it was who won yeah. the ball in midfield. M- Milano, it was then, like two passes. Lucas back. Milano. Uh, bad yes. pass and, uh, by Matias Rojas. Yes. Yeah. Back to Miranda. Correct. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and. and Kind of nicely worked, but very rapid. It all happened in about yeah. five seconds. The ball was in the net. Yes, indeed. There were a lot of bad passes there, I think, in the midfield especially. Yeah. Um, this was, of course, uh, Bekasis' first official game since taking charge of Racing in January. And I think he'd only had one televised for any, which I saw against Atletico Paranaense. I think that, if I remember correctly, that finished 2-2. And there was also a training ground for any, I think against Ferro or a team like that um, so not this, this is as they won again. oh ok yeah finished 2-2 two, two, but and it's recorded here as, as a win so yes. they must have won a penalty they won a, penalty. Shoot won a penalty a terrible penalty shootout uh, but we won't go into that um, and the sensation I got from from this game is that he's still trying to fit quite a few square pegs into round holes he's proposing something rather different from what uh, Eduardo Caudet did over his two years in charge at Racing. Mm. Uh, Caudet always lined up with this kind of 4-1-3-2 system, which could you know change into a 3-5-2 with the, the defensive midfielder moving back between the centre-backs, so yeah. it could become a 4-3-3 or, or what have you. Um, because it favours a 4-3-3 setup with kind of with rapid forwards out wide, um, incessant pressing and things along those lines and, and with Leonel Miranda as he was under Becca say say defensively directing all the traffic from the middle yeah and, and yeah, very much is the yeah, central the midfielder problem, which suggests that there isn't really going to be a defensive <laughs> central midfielder I mean Racing do have them the problem is that they're all playing in defence hmm. um, Racing had zero fit centre backs available for for Sunday's game it was Sunday right yeah uh, Leo Sigali's just coming back from injury. Lucas Orban got hurt during that friendly with Ferro. Oh, Alejandro Donati. Eugenio Mena was playing left back. He was playing left back. Montosha was playing right yeah. back. No, Eugenio Mena was the only actual defender yeah, I'm sorry, I'm in the defence. Uh, the centre back pairing was uh, 
central midfielder Neri Dominguez and central midfielder um, Mauricio Martinez, yeah, as well as right winger uh, Walter Montoya as right back. They're both centre backs by now. Neri, I'd say yeah. fair enough. Martinez was a bit of a fiasco, a fiasco out there. <laughs> Uh, he scored the goal, yeah, but his defend actual defending was was pretty sloppy. Uh, Montoya, the best thing we can say about him is he's not Ivan Pichud, um, which <laughs> is always try. a bonus. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, the feeling I've got. Um, Racing aren't quite there yet. They're going to need a bit of time to adapt. Uh, there are a couple of interesting players. Um, another new arrival this January. There haven't been that many, to be fair. Um, Fertoli who came from San Lorenzo showed flashes of something interesting but didn't particularly uh, maintain it I I can't really recall many of his performances at San Lorenzo but watching on Sunday I thought he's reminding me a lot of how he was at Newell's Mm. and he played very well in the front against Paramainza there's promise yes it's just so inconsistently applied yes he does blow hot and cold as does uh, David Barbona who yeah. was on the opposite flank? Barbona didn't play actually. He just he, he did nothing. Yeah, he did because this took him out in the halfway. Yeah. Point. the problem is behind those players you have well, Lisandro Lopez who, who played up front. He's thirty six. You have Dario Svitanic on the bench. He's thirty five or thirty four. Cristaldo who's in his thirties as well. Three uh, forwards who have their talents, but they're extremely slow. Yeah. Uh, I think actually Lissandro is the quickest of the lot uh, is uh, 70 mm. it's incredible how they changed in how, how six months uh, that or one, one year since they were they were champions and now it's a completely different team well some of it feels a bit like as Dan's just mentioned with the strikers in, yes. in certain positions they've just kind of they've stood still and a lot of the rest of the league has, has developed well they've still got yeah. the same three centre forwards that they had a year ago essentially and, yeah. Yeah. and, the, wor- and the worst defence but Reniero's not done anything he's, at no, all. He's no, been no, terrible. I, I really like Reniero. The name is the best of them. Reniero is su- like an Empress New Clothes player. Everyone says, "Ah, Reniero is great," and he never actually does anything. Becachese is uh, angling for a, a new winger and a, and another right back because he's playing Montoya. Yeah, he's gonna have to get a fucking he, move. <laughs> he says he needs one. The name that I did want to ask about Dan because it's the, the name of uh, the whole starting eleven that I'm not familiar with is. Yeah. Tiago Banega, who is a youngster, he's 20 yeah. years old. Um, what do you know about him? Uh, this was his first official game, I think. He also played yeah. in that friendly I've referenced about three times already. Um, and he looks alright, solid enough. Yeah. Um, there was another kid as well who came on off yeah. the bench and looked really interesting, Alcaraz. Seventeen, yeah. And he might, he looked a bit more explosive at least uh, in the second half when everything just started going Gachese collapsing. Just loves, it was interesting. Loves playing uh, unusual players. Yeah, uh, he gave him minutes uh, in that, the friendly I mentioned for the fourth time. <laughs> I know Sam has a strict anti friendly foot policy, but there's not that much to yeah, talk about. Uh, no, I, sorry, my, my strict anti friendly policy is that I don't sit down and watch them. Ah, I've got no problems with discussing them at this stage yeah. of a season where we only just come ah, back and restart. We on a centre back called something or other Machuca. Uh-huh. 16 years old. Yeah, well, his own. He nearly scored a goal in the, in the friendly. The thing no, is, not enough to get a. It's a, quite unusual, unusual the thing for Caras because Rosing were chasing the game, they were. Yeah. Yeah. 
They were not going, they were Yeah, going. he was sent on with 11 with minutes to go. And, and he left uh, Sitanich on the bench. Uh, I, I think he wanted to make a point that he wasn't going to use Sitanich uh, even on that occasion. Well, because Sitanich wants, is supposedly making... Because make he wants Bousat. He wants uh, Ezeke Bousat. From Vélez. Agustin mm. Bousat, who's... Uh, Partly joined by, by um, partly owned by Boca and Vélez, yeah. currently in Vélez, who Heinze is not using, actually he was on the bench and didn't come on be, uh, against Gimnasia, and he also brought in Centurion to play mm. that role, and because he wants him, uh, again, he coached him in Defensa Justicia, mm. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rumor is that Racing is, or Vélez is proposing a trade between Bousat and Sitanich. Mm. Which would give a, a center forward and which they need and racing the winger because Jesse Graves. I think if that happens, Vélez will win there, of course. I don't really think so. Bosat had a good run under Heinze and especially under Becacese. I would take Bosat over Sitanich now. Sitanich is... Yeah, I think Sitanich is, what, 34 or something as well. I mean, he's, he's not exactly one for the future. He's got so much quality, though. Like, you yeah. see him on the pitch. Yes. His movement, his brain, it's, it's so lovely but to watch. But in Becacese's skin, he really has no place. Yeah, he's that he's is not going to take off uh, Lisandro Lopez to play Sitanich. Mm. No. Uh, Vélez could have been linked with uh, Cristaldo, who played for Vélez before going to Europe, to Ukraine, and then to Brazil. And but they did that even having yeah, already brought in Centurion? I don't want to get Hannah Bod's lawyers too um, well, nervous they here. Could but get a team two, with, two yeah. in the same team? Uh, <laughs> domestic domestic yeah. violence team. They could become the... <laughs> could appeal to moving, the machistas in Argentina. Moving swiftly on. I've got one... Kind of funny postscript to the Racing game. Okay. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Lolo Miranda making his Racing debut um, in the middle of the pitch, but he almost didn't. Did you hear this? No. What was it? Um, oh, yeah. Because he was. he was apparently suspended. He was suspended by okay. in, in, in Mexico. In he was suspended in Mexico. He played. Uh, I think and the last had... two training sessions Becca says he held, he took him out of the first 11 because he was convinced he was going to be suspended mm. and it came through in the last minute that actually no he'd um, served his suspension somehow so he was free to play no he served his suspension because he was suspended in Mexico and he actually became a racing player because the transfer got in on the 20th of January so until that time he was um, a Cholos player and Cholos yeah. played a few games and even though he was training in racing he was actually a Cholos player and he so he was serving his he suspension. He was serving his suspension while, while... He was still registered for Cholos, but he was already yeah, training with Racing. With and, Racing. They, and when the transfer came, oh yeah, his plan was up. Nelly Dominguez as well got away with it. Mm. Because he either got red-carded or went up to five yellow cards in five the... Yellow cards. Five yellow cards. in the Trofeo de Campeones against Tigre. Oh, he did, so, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Technically. So supposedly he should have missed... Uh, Racing's first game of the season and instead they've decided that he's going to miss Racing's next Trofeo no, de Campeones no, uh, not even uh, they decided that since the Trofeo de Campeones in the original calendar mm. should have been played halfway through the year right um, his suspension as a result should have taken place yeah. halfway through the year so, at the start of this season so Racing are going to be given a fine because he played through a suspension no Oh, that's a shame. No, he just gets off. That would just be very affa if they all get away with it. Like, the other thing with Miranda with the whole uh, uh, transfer issue was that 
it came up that he actually hadn't gotten the transfer to Racing from Cholos of Tijuana where he was playing, mm. which was the his uh, pass came through. Deportivo what? Maldonado? No, Defensa Justicia. <laughs> oh, okay, that's a bit less controversial. But, mm. Where he played previously, but nobody knew why he had to. <laughs> so this whole time he's been on loan at Cholos. And we never knew. Apparently so. No, no. But he was also not even in Cholos, not even in Defensa Justicia, not even Racing. No, indeed. Very quickly to move through the last couple of noteworthy games. San Lorenzo versus Estudiantes finished 1-1. Javier Mascherano's debut. And indeed, he was the best player on the pitch. Estudiantes' transfer policy this summer has fascinated me. We didn't really talk about it much. But they have signed Mascherano. They have now... I don't know whether it's actually been completely 100% confirmed today or whether it's going through tomorrow, but they're about to sign um, Marcos Rojo. They have already confirmed the TV said... Behind your back. Oh, thank you. Okay, so they have signed Marcos Rojo on a six-month loan deal, which, although any of you who watch the Premier League on a daily basis will be thinking, okay, why is Sam claiming that that's going to tighten up Estudiantes' defence? At Superliga level, it will tighten up Estudiantes' defence. It's not like and they Mbappe already... is going to appear to just run through. Hey, no, yeah, so... Sorry, Argentines. And, and they, are, they are already the hardest team to score against in the Superliga. Mm. They've conceded, including the goal that they conceded against San Lorenzo, they've conceded 14 goals this season which is far fewer than anybody else. Um, so the fact that they have concentrated so much on bringing in two former Argentina internationals who got to a World Cup final in 2014 fascinates me. <laughs> like Their whole problem is that they're not scoring enough goals. They don't have a problem in defence at all, but they brought in Mascherano and Rojo. Like, who scored, what, eight goals between them Mascherano in 7,000 matches? Yeah. Mascherano yesterday uh, actually confirmed that he gave a call to Iniesta uh, asking him where he would come to Why not try? Uh, actually, yeah, that's, that's exactly what he said. Why not try? Somebody yeah. mentioned it and he called him and said, sure. Hey, Anders, would you like to well, And he said, uh, Actually, no. And, uh, well, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> try. I think that after Daniele De Rossi's spring vacation in Argentina, uh, it's all bets are off. But now. Uh, it was rumored that that didn't happen in Machine. I said, Yeah, I call him. And yeah. He the other notable thing, so first of all, Mascherano was superb um, yes. throughout. And the other notable thing to happen was that the scorer of San Lorenzo's first goal was Bruno Piton, the left back, who is San Lorenzo's joint top goal scorer this season now. Um, he has scored six goals in 17 appearances or 16 appearances in the league for San Lorenzo this season. And the reason that I bring this up is, as you will remember, if you were listening at the beginning of the season when he was scoring for fun and you have a good memory in his previous 114 games of his career prior to signing for San Lorenzo he scored three goals he's now got six in 16 since signing for them um, and he is apparently the first left back to score six goals in a single league season in the last 30 years in Argentina um, That's some stats and, and he's also a record that, that counts even taking into account the short championships because mm. we haven't yet played a full short championship season true true. so it's, it's very very impressive yeah. what the hell they've been putting in his coffee since joining for San Lorenzo I don't know but there we go Bruno Piton has scored yet again um, and finally Union versus Argentinos the big title potentially title swinging match in which Union managed that win thanks to an early Franco Troshansky goal Argentinos Two men sent off. Yeah, um, and they were furious with their referee. They sent the was the referee yeah. to blame or was it fair enough? Ah, one of the red cards was definitely... Francis McAllister got a second yellow card. The second one was... Half time and yeah. Elias Gomez got a second yellow card 
five minutes into stoppage time but, at the very end. Uh, Santiago Silva was especially critical of mm. the referee. Surprise, surprise. Usually such a, no, a calm yeah, presence. But, yeah. but I think he had some merit to what he said. Uh, they yeah. were quite unknown. Anyway, we're going to take a half-time break now. When we come back, we will discuss a few listeners' questions. We'll have a look at Argentina's uh, campaign so far in the under-23. Um, uh, Pre-Olympic. Pre-Olympic. Oh, thank you. I didn't want to say Sudamericano because it's not called that. No. Uh, in, in that championship. And uh, I don't know, anything else that comes to mind. For now, don't go away. What's the situation? Argentina is qualified to the final round. You might be able to hear in the background that the cat has joined us for the second half. Stop it. (laughs) Get down. Sorry. Uh, Go again, Andres. Argentina have qualified for the second round. Yes. uh, To the group which will define whether the qualifier, the the teams that qualify to the Tokyo 2020. Mm -hmm. Yes. I believe since we last recorded, they beat. Chile 2 0. Yes. And Ecuador 1 0. Yes. So, yeah, a perfect nine points from nine points. And they can take it easy for the last game against Venezuela tomorrow night, I believe. Where they will be without. Yeah, that sounds right. Adolfo Gaich, which is probably worth mentioning. Yes, Adolfo Gaich is uh, currently flying. Actually, it might already have flown. Back to Buenos no, Aires. I think that was suspended. He's not flying. He's not flying. No? He's not coming down to Buenos Aires to no, take a to medical, medical for Club Brugge no. and then going back to because Colombia. there was a a problem with the payment method by the Belgian club and it's now suspended. Or oh, so he's not transferring then? Uh, I think he will fly tomorrow. He will yeah. probably fly tomorrow, but he was supposed to fly today and he's actually not. Uh huh. <laughs> I think that probably makes more sense in the long term. Why not just wait until the, the end it's of the It's not the first time. I think Balerbi has the something similar. Because they'd have to buy him without doing a medical, and they wouldn't do that. No, but you just make the deal subject to a medical, as Man United have done today with Bruno Fernandes, which by the time this goes <laughs> online, that deal will have fallen through because it's Man United. Um, but, you know, you say, look, if he fails the medical, then the deal's off. Can you do that? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Uh, Balerdi had a similar situation when he transferred from Boca to Borussia Dortmund. He had to leave the. Uh, I think it was uh, an Argentine under twenty to take a yeah. medical and then come back. Mm. Uh, he never came back to the, to the team. So presumably, it's still going to happen. Gaich is still. I think so. No longer yeah. going to be a San Lorenzo player. It's what is it like seventeen million dollars or something like but that? Four tax, yeah. Yeah, I think San Lorenzo will end up with $14 million. Yes. Which, to be fair, I've seen a lot of San Lorenzo fans are peeved, but you can't turn that It's about a million dollars for every match he's played for them. Not far off, he's played 24 games. Oh, okay. And a lot of those have been off the bench. Just to be clear, I was taking the piss, but um, yeah, that is much more accurate than I thought I was. Yeah, the thing is, in his last five games, because, you know, PC 
didn't play him at all, really. Yeah, so his last um, five games have been spread over about the last nine months or something. No, his last five games were the last five games of 2019. Okay. And he scored four goals. Mm-hmm. So he was doing very well. The yeah. only thing to say and there I is... I think San Lorenzo have stayed with that image in their head, the fans at least, I think. Which, given his performances for the various underage national teams over the same time, is probably fair. I mean, he's Ooh, clearly... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I apologise, gentlemen, but Latrice is feeling a little bit stabby at the moment. As yes, I just discovered we've as well. changed crying babies for stabbing cats yes. this um, week. She, An interesting editorial choice. She so. was bored in the bedroom with my girlfriend, so my girlfriend's let her out for the second half, and um, this is the result. Yes. We're going to be interrupted frequently for the next half hour or so. Um, so by the time this goes on air, Gaich will probably have already signed, or the whole thing would have fallen through. Yeah. We'd predict the first, maybe? Yes. No, the, uh, yes, the first one. That's it. He will probably be a club rugger player, and I have to say, although I don't make a habit of settling down to watch Jupiter League matches, no, uh, indeed, I don't know whether that's exactly how it's pronounced. So, if you're a Belgian listener, I thought it was Bruges. I apologise. Bruges, I think. Uh, yeah, no, it might be, but I'm talking about the name of the league. Ah, should yeah, should no, but you said Brugge. It's a beer. Ah. All right, but that depends on which language you're talking. Ah. Bruges in French and Brugge in Dutch. And in English? Or Flemish, I should say. In mm. English, it's whichever of those two options you pick. Ah, fair enough. Because it's a in bilingual Spanish, country. It's Indeed. It's technically it's trilingual. trilingual. I know. Yes. But, um, it's yeah, but Brugge in Spanish because it sounds like witches. Yes. yes. Witches. Yeah. Witches. Have you been to Bruges? I guess they're coming from the ravens, so that, that's... He's, he's in keeping there, isn't he? Yeah. Crows to... To witches, so but there, who, there, there who, are no There are absolutely no witches in Brooks. How do you know? Because Brooks in Flemish means bridges. It's the city of bridges. Yes, yes. Oh, I did know that. Yes. yes, okay. The Spanishization of the word turned to witches, uh, yeah. the, and they just adopted the witches as a selling point for this. Yeah, but it's witches would have sounded. When this doesn't sound as sexy as Brujas. so definitely, there are no witches at Brooks. Okay, if you've got a suggestion for um, who uh, Adolfo Geich's next club after Brugge or Bruges might be, um, in keeping with this slightly spooky theme, <laughs> send it in. Why not? Newcastle, Wolves, surely. Maybe? Howling at the Moon? No, ah, Newcastle. Benevento should uh, take him up. Okay, yeah. They are the Strega, which is Brugge in Italian. <laughs> yes. Anyway, we can carry on all evening with this, but we won't. To drag it back on topic, we yes, can please do. imagine whatever happens, Geich probably won't play on Friday then for mm. that dead rubber. But he will most likely be back for the final phase, which, so, given Brazil's form, uh, looks a little bit trickier. How I much guess. of the identity of the final group stage do we know in terms of the teams who are going to be Brazil are in there, Venezuela are out, and the final place I think Colombia in... Argentina's group is again is between Chile, Colombia, and possibly Ecuador. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, Argentina are basically qualified already. To they are qualified. Yeah, so because Chile and Colombia can can't take three points which each. Was the basic point of the whole tournament. Yeah, and it's the top two from that final round who are going to go through. So basically, from what you're all saying, I'm assuming that we're considering. At the moment, this is going to be Brazil plus one. Yes, Brazil are free, definitely. No, no, I mean, sorry, the top two from the final round goes to the Olympics. So I think ah, that's going to be right. Brazil right. and then another, right? Uh, uh, yes, I would say so. Should be Argentina because they've, they've looked good. They've played some nice football. I didn't see their game on Monday, I have to admit, because I was playing football myself, admittedly, to a much lower standard. 
Can I just um, ask, have their matches been on Tennessee Sports? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, right, the, okay, the only matches. I haven't spotted them on the on the TV guide. I, I know that DirecTV have got the rights for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, I thought, well, they'll, they'll show Argentina on the 23s. And every time I've switched on the TV guide that I've got here, it doesn't tell me that the, the, the game's on even when it's taking place. So I haven't bothered turning over. Uh, they so are it turns out I should have turned over you yesterday have. evening and I would have yes. been able to catch it. That's a shame. Indeed. Very remiss of you. Well, thank you, gentlemen, at least for telling me how they are playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Alexis McAllister still doing well? He scored um, another free kick against Ecuador. Uh, the only goal of the game. Yes, and it was very good. What's a free kick? He missed no, the second free kick. Was it? But he scored, but not from a free kick. But no, he was an assist oh, the from first Gage. goal was a Gage. free kick. Gage. 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 Since his absence in Boca's, ah, Boca's fans, but everybody's eyes has seemed to turn into the, one of the top players in the world. And I know nobody understands really why. Ah, another player who might not be going back to Argentina, right? Because Brighton were considering. It sounds very much as if Brighton are bringing him back. Yeah. Now. Back in inverted commas, obviously. But yeah, I mean, essentially, it, it sounds like he's got his, um, his work permit. He has got it, but Boca is trying to keep him. I don't know if they have a say in it. Uh, they just can they refuse? They can refuse it. They yeah. will. Just don't pick up the phone, George Costanza style in Seinfeld. That's basically the what they did. They actually, but I think they have a chance of refusal because that's just not something like. Uh, Brian asking for him back. He's only on loan at Boca. Yeah, yeah he said, but oh, I don't right. think the. I think they. There's not a really a clause for him to be back in January. There, oh, when they oh, loaned him, they said you can't yeah. cut the loan short. And yeah, Brighton are trying to Brighton cut the loan short. Brighton are trying to cut the loan oh, short. They are right. offering something like five thousand euros, euros yes. and uh-huh. Boca refusing. Sorry, five thousand euros. No, oh, five hundred. Oh, okay, right, yeah, five hundred thousand. <laughs> that makes a bit more sense. That's a, yeah. Um, but actually, Boca are not picking up the phone. That's they're, they're taking up the George Costanza tactic. Yeah, love. <laughs> and uh, the Brighton representative has met with uh, Chelo Delgado, who said basically. I can so imagine Raquelme just sitting in his office drinking mate as the phone's ringing and the answer machine ring, uh, plays his little message. Just kind. Of <laughs> oh my God! It's because they. We don't really know, but by the way they're phrasing it, it seems like Boca has a chance to refuse the. Brighton calling him up in January. If that's the case, right. you just pick up the phone and say no, thanks, and we're yeah. keeping him. Either bring your offer up or he'll he stay. Mm. But they just aren't answering them. The thing Sorry. is that I heard that uh, people saying that the reason why Boca haven't played well is that they don't have Capaldo and McAllister. I think Capaldo is more a uh, more influence than uh, right now than McAllister. Well, there's, mm. there's some myth around McAllister now, basically that he's the Missing link in the He's played some decent games for Boca. He's played some not so decent games. He played some this match when he started. And yeah, the, I was yeah. going to say he was he was really good. Which during the first goes against what, what the narrative that's in in Argentina right now is that he plays better when he plays centrally. When he started with Boca, he started so playing on the left, and he played well. And then <laughs> they moved him centrally, and he was basically nondescript. And but the the narrative right now is that Boca are missing McAllister. Century, yeah, which they had and did nothing with. We'll have to see what happens. Watch this space. Mm. Moving on to listeners' questions, Nate Cubetta asks, What went so wrong for Pablo Perez at Independiente other than the recent horror challenge against Boca? I just saw that Hugo Moshano 
says he doesn't want him to play another game for the club Moshano of course being Independiente's president yeah. I think off the top of my head this is like the fifth time I've read that Independiente are desperate to get rid of Pablo Perez and, yeah. and he's only been there a year which is pretty decent going to be fair I mean that's all I mentioned earlier the finances for Independiente clearly don't add up no in terms of the way the problem is that you say openly say that you don't want that player anymore I don't think you will find easily another club for mm. him because uh, why do you don't want him yeah and, and of course the money and the, the, the wages are high Uh, but he also has been suspended or well sent, sent off. Yeah, the good thing about Pablo Perez is that if you want his wages off out of your club, he also gives you a lot of reasons to claim it's for footballing matters. Yeah, but somebody uh, has to pay him. Money matters. Someone has to pay him. Yes. Yeah. 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 Or, or, or he has to uh, just refuse to be paid that much, and he has said he's not willing to get a pay cut. So yeah. either you pay him or you get someone who's willing to pay him because Newell's wanted him but they didn't yeah. have the money to pay him and Paul Perez said well no thanks I want to be paid what I want yeah I mean, at on, this point on day he's a yeah. superb midfielder but those days have became, become increasingly few and far between as his career's dragged on and he gets a yellow card like every game and a half or yeah. two games or something it's he's a player like which the Gerardo Bedoya of yes. yellow cards uh, so he's suspended quite a lot of the time yeah. it's a player so, which who's, the environment uh, Uh, affects him or changes his way of playing because mm. the other day it was clear that the the stadium was uh, like of course whistling and, and, and at him every, every time he had the ball uh, it's like uh, was important for him the irony is Lucas Pusineri the Independiente's new coach uh, was suffered Federico Mancuello former Independiente player yeah. uh, as a midfielder and he called him personally and he said Look, Federico, right now you are not my priority. Uh, Because I've got Pablo Perez. Probably. Now <laughs> he's not got Pablo Perez, so he's probably going to have to call my question and say, well, you were uh, my priority, but <laughs> Moshano just said Pablo Perez is going, so I guess you are. Mancuesha is not um, playing at Toluca, I think. It's like a, not very... a lot of... Yeah, passion, but, but if you're Mancuesha, do you come to a team that whose coach has just said Well, yes. I don't prioritize you, and now because my playmaker is out, I guess I do. On the horns of a dilemma, mm. more than one person, it seems. Uh, Jamie says, Does Club Brugge, that's how Jamie spelt it, surprise you as a destination for Geich? I expected him to end up at a club in Europe with perhaps a higher profile. I mean, he's still, as I hinted um, just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, he's still relatively untested. He's played a lot of underage football or kids football. He's played very little senior football. Mm. Uh, so I think it's fair enough. I mean, Belgium's not a footballing backwater, I don't think. Uh, by any means, he's going to be playing Europa League or... Oh, he'll be playing Champions League every season. At least the first stages, yeah. Exactly. Um, so if he makes he's his name there, he's going to be um, yeah, in the shot window. Permanently, Precisely. much It's more than yeah. I mean, it's not um, it's not the Middle East, it's not China, it's not uh, MLS kind of places where it might be a little bit more difficult to to make your name. If mm. he does well in Belgium and he does well in continental competition, other teams will be looking at him. Definitely, I think it's a good, it's a decent step inside. Yeah, and um, from the Belgian club, it's also a good bet. Yeah, yeah. it's win-win. Yeah. It's win for everyone. 
Sarnoso yes. will have a lot of money. He will play in Europe, and if Scaloni watches him play, and he does well, I think he will also have. Yeah, I, I would agree that given how much promise he clearly shows. Uh, and how talented we all suspect he's going to be that Brugger maybe is a slightly surprising first step in Europe compared with a more tried and tested destination for an Argentine player mid-table Serie A or, or, or mid one of the big three in Portugal or something three in Portugal. I, I, I would agree with that but it's not exactly the traditional profile that he's had so far because as you say he's played far more for national teams than for his club um, and therefore I guess it kind of makes a little bit of sense in that respect because no no team in a big European league is going to sign him on the basis of how many club games he's played so far and they're going to almost disregard the national team games on the basis that they are underage games and they've been scouting these guys long term and plus you have to take into account he's a big lad and he's playing underage football that is usually a winning formula he's He's not a winning formula even in the adult Superliga indeed Uh, so yeah but it's better for him, for him, I think, to go to a team which will play uh, competitions, European competitions, than, for example, go to Calgary, Bologna, or I know Alaves in Spain. Teams that are lower league tables play teams. I don't know. For example, I, I remember Caleri, Jonathan Caleri. I think he's playing for Alaves, and we don't know whether Sounds he's right, yeah. he's doing well or wrong. And he was a player that when he played for Boca and then Sao Paulo looked like he will. Go much higher. Yeah, and then that's without even taking into account his performances for Deportivo Maldonado. Yes. Um, of which we know he had none. Um, but yeah, those are all of the listeners' questions this, this week. Ah. Oh no, sorry, there aren't. There's one more, but it's accompanied, unfortunately, by a video, which, given this being a podcast, uh, it's not the ideal medium. <laughs> not that I'm wishing to uh, criticise Perfect Tommy's choice of how he asks the question. Uh, but he says, What is the craziest thing that you've seen on the pitch? And he accompanies it with a seven-second video from Teise Sports. Julian, you'll be pleased to hear. Uh, Planeta Goal, in which a dog running onto the pitch ends up saving a shot after a goalkeeper cocks up his distribution. Um, That's the greatest, I think. No, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the clip, and, and it's up there. I, personally, it's a good I, clip. I, I yeah. think my favourite is the beach ball that scored against Liverpool that season in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, but I suspect that Perfect Tommy is expecting us to come up with an example from Argentine football. And therefore, I will throw the question open to the floor. Yeah, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to get it down a little bit more specifically to things I've actually witnessed going to a game in the stadium. Uh, I mean, it's not quite as... as healthy and amusing but the pepper spray incident at the Bobonera in 2015 was, was pretty wild yeah. pretty crazy that was pretty wild um, as, as, was the, as, as were the Barra Brava running onto the pitch in the the first leg of Rivers relegation playoff in 2011 against Belgrano now, when they got through the fence really, yes, yeah. I think it all counts as crazy and it was definitely on the pitch on a slightly um, more yeah but on on s- in terms of more entertainment crazy, really crazy yeah. well maybe not for Argentina <laughs> for, for an international audience in terms of more entertaining things, gents, any suggestions? Yeah, I have one. I was at the Bombonera again for the Super Clásico. Probably, I want to say, 2005, 2006, Clausura, Yeah, probably. No, five. I'm going with five. It's about to Clausura. Oh, no, the Apertura 2006 was the one that was doing this one that we mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. No, this one was uh, Basiles Boca. Uh, they went... Uh, to win the title back to back 
before the game, the, there were still away fans, so River fans were at the third tier of the Bombonera, and one of their, their banners was hanging slightly down, mm -hmm. so the Boca fans wanted to steal it. Uh, but it was hanging from the third tier, and the Boca fans were in the second tier. So some there's quite a distance. Between, there's quite yeah. a distance. So some Boca fans started throwing things at it, but nothing <laughs> seemed to stick. So they devised kind of a, a, with their banners and their shirts uh, some kind of heavy thing, and they started throwing it until they got it. And when they came back, it was a roar as if Boca had scored, and they gave it in start. And it's on tape, uh, you can have it in Paso Paso, you probably <laughs> get it if you search for it, and it was basically joyous. Yeah. <laughs> Any other suggestions? Uh, um, I remember one, um, Julian's just made me remember one Clásico de Avellaneda mm -hmm. I went to as, um, as an away fan. Uh, I think it was the first game, the first Clásico at least, uh, in, in the Benientes remodeled, well, brand new really stadium hmm. which at that time was still fairly um, a building site there was a lot of construction still I'm going surprised on. that you mentioned that Dan because wrestling fans don't really like to point out that it's not fully complete it's worth it's worth um, mentioning as context for, for this anecdote mm -hmm. and just before the game kicked off um, for those of you not familiar with the geography of um, Independiente's stadium the away fans, at least in theory, uh, go up on the uh, on the second tier of the behind the goal. Yeah. And the hinchada, the um, the home terracing is on the opposite side behind the other goal. Uh, so before the game, you know, but there are also home fans immediately underneath. You know? Yes, which means away fans can have all sorts of fun uh, with those fans below. But that's a story for another day. Um, so before the game, you know, the Independiente players come out, everyone's really happy because we've got a Clásico in our new stadium, yeah, 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 brilliant. And so the Independiente fans unfurl this huge banner, uh, basically saying that thanks to Sergio Aguero they could build this new stadium, which is fairly true, with the money that Independiente earned from selling Sergio Aguero to Atletico Madrid, they could they were able to even think of building the new stadium after there was all sorts of delays in it. I think it cost a lot more than it should have. So they unfurled this banner that... Um, my, my understanding, sorry to interrupt, but to give yeah. some context, my understanding was that the construction went on for such a long time after Aguero had been uh, transferred that given inflation in Argentina, basically the money ran out, which they'd initially thought was going to be enough. Yes, but it hence ran out, the building site. Yeah. And then when he got signed... By Manchester City, they got, got a whole solidarity payment and were able to use that to finish the fourth step. Very possibly, yes. So um, the banner came out, Gracias Kun, the, the picture of this beautiful modern European stadium on it, which bore no resemblance to the stadium we were actually standing in. Mm -hmm. But um, they managed to somehow unfurl it upside down. Okay. Which was very entertaining for racing fans. Was there uh, an argument with the board going on at the time? Or? I don't think so. They just really bolstered up. Um, it was about the most entertaining part of that game because I think Racing lost about 4-0 or something. Hmm. But we got to laugh at them for, um, for putting their banner upside down. Oh, congratulations. And apart from that one, Martin Palermo scoring a header from the halfway line 
against yes. Vélez was very entertaining. But it wasn't a dog on the pitch, admittedly. <laughs> I have two episodes. Uh, one was like, uh, had to do with Racing also. I think it was a super classic or well, classical of Avellaneda 2. I'm, I'm going to interrupt quickly, Andres, to say that I'm, I'm going to. I don't have a sealed envelope in front of me, but I've got my guess for your second one in a, in a hypothetical, a metaphorical sealed envelope in front of me. So oh. carry on. Okay, no. I, I was going to say that I. I, I uh, the the one I, one of those episodes I remember was Teo Gutierrez uh, showing gun, uh, but we didn't see that. That was what they <laughs> well, said in the dressing room. Well, actually, strictly speaking, what was said in the question is on the pitch, and nobody oh, okay. so far has covered that. But carry on. Well, that's uh, well, Palermo yeah, we, on the pitch. Oh, Palermo was on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. We watched uh, Teo Gutierrez going leaving the club on, on taxi, or by taxi of, of course. Yeah. We didn't watch the or see the, the gun, uh, mm. but Coco Vasiles watched it. Or saw it, yeah. and, and and he was quite scared. Uh, and the other one was Bilardo, uh, uh, I think, it was River Estudiantes at the oh, moment. I thought you were going to say uh, saying it's señorita, it's Gatorade lady, because he was going, he had been sued uh, because he was apparently drinking champagne in the, the stadium. And of course, wasn't uh, permitted. It was shock horror. Yes. <laughs> Disgrace, but I thought that you were going to mention that these two having gone for stuff that happened in the stands. I thought you were going to mention the um, no. the inflatable pig at, at River uh, when oh, they were yeah. playing Boca that time. Which I mean, apologies, Julian, but I think that was just objectively very, very funny. <laughs> it oh, was Boca fans sold the pig. They they just started chanting El Chancho no desciende, and we had a blast. <laughs> which was <laughs> actually true. The Chancho doesn't wasn't no, going back. Was actually no, there was up. one episode. Uh, in a Racing Independiente in Clásico where Racing fans actually managed to string up a, a real live pig a dead pig oh good grief yeah so not a real live pig then no a real dead pig a dead pig yeah oh okay. the damn dildos were and they, they the straight up behind the goal when Racing scored sorry Julian the damn dildos were thrown that's, on the pitch that's what I thought you said yeah please expand <laughs> on this Mogo were playing uh, Independiente at okay. Leo Morena and Navarro Montoya was uh, their their keeper and they throw dildos. Is yeah. there any connection there? I have no idea why, but uh, take your own guesses, I guess. <laughs> the things you learn. Present that was on the pitch, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take that as a valid answer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, in terms of being in the stadium, I saw a dog on the pitch in the Copa America in 2011. That's about it, and, and then he was standing in the in the car park afterwards while we were all leaving, and I managed to get a photo of it. Um, that's about it. I can't remember anything really crazy happening at a game I was actually at. No, I don't think so. That's your picture. But... Oh, those are very much dildos. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's on crazy. Well, so I never thought I'd hear on a hand a pod. No, they, they definitely no, are. That's very much. Uh, thank you for that. That was um. When was that? Um, Do we have a date for that picture? Uh, 2005, I guess. Okay, I feel that's slightly less bad about having forgotten about it then, because yeah, it, right. it happened five years before I moved there. So. Wonderful. Bola um, de Baile also on the pitch. That was independiente against Boca. But, uh, that's, that's a little racist, yeah. Well, the other is homophobic, yeah. so we can get the truth. <laughs> was it independiente who also threw syringes on the pitch? Yeah. At their own yeah. place? At their own place. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were from the corner. <laughs> By their own fans, there was yeah, something so. sharp thrown on the pitch against was it uh, at Independiente against Cerro Porteño or something as well Defensor towards the goalkeeper. Sporting. No, the goalkeeper was yeah. hit. Yeah. 
And the game got called off with six minutes to go or something like this. No, it just got halted and then they carried on. Sudamericana about five or six years ago? Yeah, the Sudamericana, they ended up winning. Yeah, of course. uh, Miranda Brown's fans at uh, Racing Stadium to uh, a Choliban stand to the the lower tier. A stand? (laughs) Yeah, a Choliban selling stand, yeah. But it was not the pitch. So there we go. Hopefully at some point there, perfect, Tommy, we have given you an answer that you are happy with. Um, I'm now going to put some theme music on, and when I come back you will hear Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come, which begins on Thursday evening. So it's a very loose definition of the term weekend. Don't go away. Okay, we start the weekend on Thursday night. I've no idea why. Anybody else? Um, because there was a midweek round and they were going to play on Thursday in the midweek round and also Thursday at the weekend. <laughs> it's Super Liga, so that might as well be the reason. Why Bellis are playing on Thursday? They are playing Copa Sudamericana next week. On Monday? Um, Tuesday, I guess. So they're travelling. They've got time to do it. Okay. They wanted to do midweek Super League and that's it. So who, who who is their game against? I mean, if it's a Venezuelan side, then I can maybe make some sense of that. But oh, it doesn't mention it. Here. Uh, I'll know. give it for you. Um, yeah, no, no, they're at home. They're at home to Alcas yeah. next Tuesday. Yes, mm, I'm struggling yeah. to see the justification for them playing yes. on Thursday. To be honest. Uh, anyway, we begin on Thursday with Belles versus Aldo Civi, which I think is going to be a draw. I'm going to put some faith in Aldo Civi to continue the impressive showing that they've got with their 2-0 win last weekend against I can't remember who. Huracan are at home to Gimnasia on Friday night. I think that that is also going to be a draw. Mm, Maradona's and away from those pretty shit hurt. That is true, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going for... I'm, I'm going to stick with a draw. I've said it once now already, so I have to stick with it. First answers only. Uh, on Saturday, we have four games. Independiente versus Rosario Central. Independiente will, of course, be without key midfielder Pablo Perez. Um, I'm going for a Central win there. Atlético Tucumán versus Defensa y Justicia. I think is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win. Estudiantes versus Unión. Well, it's obviously not going to be an Unión win because given the signings they've made, Estudiantes aren't going to concede any goals. Um... I'm gonna. I think that Estudiantes will score, so I'm going to go for an Estudiantes win. And Argentinos Juniors versus Racing. Um, I'm going to be at this one, um, so I'm going to predict an Argentinos win because I'm going to be in the home end. I mean, obviously, because I don't think there's going to be an away end. Um, well, it's not going to be an away end either way, is there? Because if if there are away fans, then it'll be an away side. You, you will be there, Argentinos Stadium. But I'm going to be there. I don't know. So yes. I'm, I'm going to go for an Argentina. I understand spot. that. You know for Argentinian supporters to, to be aggressive with you. And no, no. Oh, I've, I've been oh. to lots of Argentinos games when they've won. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Many of them. I saw them win the league. Uh, River versus Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. I think is going to be an away win. No, I don't. I think it's going to be a River win on the assumption that they appear to have taken the last two games seriously. And as we said last week, if River are taking games seriously, then they shouldn't be failing to win them. We can Especially also, against Central Cordoba. We right? can also predict that in this game, at least with Central Cordoba, all of the commentators will have their shirts on in the stadium. Yes, yes, we forgot to mention that. But uh, Central Cordoba 
their last game was against... It was at home, and it was against Colón. It was a 1-0 win. Yeah. And there was a uh, photograph that, in fairness to them, TNT put on their own Twitter page of their commentators um, commentating in the common tribute without any shirts on. Uh, because it was really hot here in Buenos Aires. Uh, on Was it Sunday? It was Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, or well, Saturday, Saturday, yeah, no, it was, it was yeah. Saturday, yeah, because I, I, saw, I was watching the game. Um, it was very, very hot here anyway, so I don't want to think about how hot it was in Santiago del Estero. 50 degrees pitch side, apparently, and in the non air conditioned cabins for the benefit of our more. United Statesian listeners, that's 50 degrees Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Double it and add 30, and you have an idea. Um, yeah, with all of the humidity as well, all of the humidity. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go for River to beat Central Cordoba. In the Monumental. Colón versus Banfield, I think, is sounding like a Banfield win to me. Lanús against Godoy Cruz is the same time, and Lanús are going to win that one, clearly. And I think that Boca will get an away win over Tacheres in this Sunday evening kickoff. There are then two games on Monday this weekend. Again, weekend entry comillas. Patronato versus Arsenal de Sarandí, which I think will be an Arsenal victory. And Newells versus San Lorenzo. I'm going to go for a San Lorenzo win, I think. But I'm not particularly confident about that. Um, there do not seem to be... Now, part of this is that I'm going to be slightly shyer about saying, no, just don't bother watching this game. Because last week, we picked out um, one match of the four Friday games. And we said... Don't bother watching this one. It's going to be the worst of those Friday games. Which is that? It was uh, Rosario Central against Huracan. And it turned out to be the only one of those Friday games to produce more than two goals. Well, so, was it good, at least? I've no idea. I didn't see any. Well, <laughs> I followed my own advice and then I looked at the scores and was like... I think oh. Rado also, I think we, at least we mentioned it as a possible match to avoid them. No, I don't think so because Daniel Vela might have played. I can't imagine us <laughs> ruling out that game. For this round, yeah. I think Patronato Arsenal will potentially be a match not to watch, but... But Arsenal can be quite decent sometimes. I mean, yes. what I, my yeah, point I was that so. this weekend, I, I can't see any that are really standing out to me and just being like, oh no, that game's going to be unwatchable. I think they're the All one of them have got... Defensive uh, uh, Yeah, the Defensive Justicia just come, well, coming yeah. from winning 4 Christmas one debut. Yeah. But that was, that was really strange. I, I, they, 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 I think the right uh, score for... For the previous matches we watched mm. from Tacheres and Defensive Justicia would have been for Tacheres to win for one, but yes. Yeah. I, I agree that it was a, a bit odd, but yeah. I don't think that any of these... Uh, I guess maybe Estudiantes Union is unlikely to be a thriller, given oh, I've mentioned that Estudiantes. Thanks. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, professionally, or just... No, you felt like a day trip yeah. to La Plata and no. thought, yes, not this really. is going to be really fun. No, not really, but yeah, I have to... I'm working at Estudiantes Union. One of the interesting things about this, and topical things in a way, of course, is that Estudiantes' new stadium, which you'll be experiencing, I'm guessing, for the first time. Yeah, okay. I've never been. And I've actually never been inside. I've been to it uh, when it was being built. Right. And there wasn't a stadium yeah. to say much about. Yeah, I mean, I, I stood outside it when it was being built. My parents came here in 2015 or something. It took them a while to get finished, didn't it? But you took your parents to a stadium building site? No, we went to the park that it's in. We, we went to the, the Dinosaur Museum yeah. in, in La Plata. So um, that would be a strange day trip, even for you. And, so. and we walked past, like, it was... Still quite a strange day A couple trip. of hundred metres off that way, but we could see it. Anyway, 
it has no barriers between the fans and the pitch, which is a very brave situation. Uh, situation is a very brave thing to do in Argentina. But of course, Banfield at the beginning of the season took down the barriers between their platea, or at least between one of their sections and the pitch. And um, Boca, as we mentioned towards the start of the, of the show this this week, um, have just done the same thing along the side. Obviously, not behind the goals because that would be stupid. Um, but how, they, how did that work? In, Amel has Sunday? mentioned that his plan is to take down the the fence mm-hmm. behind the goals. That's brave. Yeah, that's brave. They're gonna dig a moat, right? I don't know what they're gonna do, but <laughs> but generally, I mean, you were you were there on Sunday. I mean, yeah. Was it noticeable? Was it was yeah, there a, a noticeable difference noticeable. in terms of how the stadium felt as a yeah, result? Yeah, I'm actually uh, I have a season ticket. I mm-hmm. have been. I had a season ticket for like 25 years, just in that platea, and it's really noticeable. Actually, the thing that prompted the whole thing was that it, the glass was not letting people see clearly. Yeah. And yeah, I saw actually, some pictures taken from behind it on the day they were taking it all down, and it was like, God, they left that, like, <laughs> if I was paying for a ticket in that stand. But actually, that's the thing. Uh, it has like 23 rows, the, that platea, 24. <laughs> And from row 15 down, it goes in price down like uh, 80%. Oh, wow. Right. Because you can't uh, actually see anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can, but it's not the best of views. And sure. now it's like another worldly. I'm like, guessing they're going to get rid of the discounts now for the tickets. I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was one of the things they've done on the stadium and they've also made the third tier behind Boca's goal or uh, upwards the Laose. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it was a platea up until now and oh, now they've taken, they the taken out the seats out, yeah. so more socios can get into the Popular. Yes. Uh-huh. And those who had uh, season tickets there uh, have been relocated uh, throughout the pitch. These are some of the changes, I mean obviously they're some of the first changes that Boca's new. Uh, directorship have been making there are probably going to be others and of course there's going to be the ongoing conversation about whether we can have a Bombonera 360 360 or not i.e. finishing off that final stand at last so that it's a whole stadium rather than just a flat wall alongside which you're all used to seeing on the television coverage don't see the ambition to. I I can't see where the money's going to come from I can't see where the the, why, why is such a Nerds to get it. Hmm. I don't know. Do you think that there's going to be a problem the first time that River visit the Bombonera now with the player tunnel coming out right in front of that stand and then not being a divide? No, uh, I don't think so. There could have been a problem I, with the glass also. River came out that tunnel, the, their tunnel, and walked 50 meters down to the halfway line to line up with Boca and come through the FIFA salute. Uh, in the Copa oh, Libertadores final, right. yeah, and they, they all the walked line. down yeah. the touchline, and it was just a glass. Someone could have just thrown something over, and yeah. it hasn't happened. Actually, the only problem that has occurred with the platea has occurred on the other side, where there's the platea preferencial, which is actually more expensive than that platea. And yeah, there have been many incidents over there, and there haven't been on the other side. Good, glad to hear it. Anyway. That's it for this week. We're going to record a hand pod extra now for our darling Patreon fans. So if you're not one of them, I gave you the address to go to at the start of the evening already. But to just repeat, it's patreon, 
p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash hand of pod if you're already on there then we love you very much indeed if you're not then we, we will love you but, but you can earn our love by giving us money um, so thank you very much to everybody thank you all though seriously for listening um, again um, you'll be hearing from us again next week for now it's thanks and goodbye from Julian bye 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 thank you English down goodbye and me thank you and goodbye <laughs>